believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God who were born not of blood, nor of the will of flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we have seen his glory, glory as of the only son from the father, full of grace and truth. Let's pray. Father God, thank you for tonight. Thank you for the opportunity we get to gather here as a people, Lord, and to celebrate a defining moment, not just in our lives, Lord, but in all of human history, the moment that you came to earth to be with us. Lord, we love you. We thank you for the opportunity we have to just gather tonight and be reminded of this great and glorious truth. We ask these things in your holy and precious name. Amen. Well, we're using the Gospel of John to tell the story of creation. Probably not going to use those. Thank you. Um, Sorry, not the story of creation, but the story of Christmas. And it may seem odd to start to spend Christmas Eve focused in the Gospel of John. It is unlike the other stories of Jesus' birth. When John begins the story of Jesus, he does so very differently than Matthew and Luke do when they tell their story of Jesus' birth. Matthew and Luke are careful to tell of the events that surrounded Jesus' birth. They're, they're careful to tell us of the immaculate conception, the characters, the earthly father of Joseph and the mother of Mary. They're careful to tell us about the shepherds that were told of the birth of their Savior, of our Savior, and, and escorted there by the star in the sky. They're careful to tell us of the angels who heralded this great news and and of the wise men who would also visit Jesus as a baby boy. They're careful as they tell Matthew and Luke, as they tell their story of Jesus' birth, to place his birth firmly in history, to associate his coming to earth with time. And we're glad that they do, right? Because they're telling us a story, and it is, to be sure, history. Matthew starts his account. He speaks of Jesus' birth. He begins with a genealogy. He informs us of Jesus' human family of origin. He tells us of the ancestors and the lineage that Jesus would come from. But when John tells us his version of the same story, he does something altogether radically different. He actually does the opposite thing that Matthew and that Luke do. Instead of writing about Jesus's family of origin, John is sure to tell us of the human family's origin in Jesus. If you read the Gospel of John, you read it and you see that his thesis, his purpose in writing the book is so that we would believe. Pistuo, it's the Greek word, believe, to believe. And over and over and over again, everything that he writes, he's doing so that you and I would place our belief, our trust, our faith in who Jesus is. So when he begins to tell his story, he makes it absolutely clear, not just to the first century readers of his day, but also to us here, 2019, The exact same truth, that Jesus is God. 
that Jesus is the originator. He is the creator of all of the universe and all of human beings. John makes it absolutely clear who Jesus is. He makes it clear that Jesus is more than just a man, more than just a carpenter. He makes it absolutely clear that Jesus is more than just a rabbi, more than a really good teacher. This human being who has come into the world, this light that is shining is none other than God himself. I really want to just point out one verse that makes this abundantly clear. It's John chapter 1, and actually it'll just be half of that one verse. Verse 14. The word became flesh and dwelt among us. The word. When John describes Jesus, who Jesus is, when he gets to the, the essence of his character, he uses the word word. It is the word. He is the word. He is the spoken the revealed, the fullest expression of the truest identity of who God is and how he's revealed himself to creation, that is who Jesus is. He is the word. The word that was at the very beginning. If you remember the story of creation in Genesis, when God spoke a word, all that existed before creation came into being was God and the word, God himself. And here... The word breaks into creation, comes into civilization, and takes on flesh. We're told that the word becomes flesh. This, this evening, should bring us a tremendous amount of comfort. Because the God of the Bible, the God that we remember and celebrate, not just at Christmas, but hopefully year-round, this God is a God who knows what it's like to be like you and like me. This is a God who can sympathize with, with us on every level. He, he knows what it's like to be tempted. He knows what it's like to suffer in this world. So, so the God who, who takes on flesh, it should bring us a tremendous amount of comfort because he knows what it's like to walk in your shoes. He, he doesn't sit aloof from us and have no idea what it's like to be like us. It, it, the, John talks about the light that's coming into the darkness, and this is good news for us because the world is a dark place. When the Bible talks about the darkness of the world, it talks about it in two different levels, evil and ignorance. And, and as we live our lives, mo many of us know on some level, the darkness of this world. Some of us may know it now more than we've ever known it before. Maybe there's suffering, difficult times that you're enduring. You know that this world can be and is a dark place. But this word, this God, the creator of the universe, takes human flesh, becomes like you and me, and he invades the darkness that you and I live every single day. He shines his light in the darkness. And the Bible tells that us that he dwells among us. He tabernacles. He pitches his tent. He moves into the neighborhood. He sets up shop in our world. This is what he does. 
he comes to us. In Matthew chapter 1, verse 22 and 23, actually just verse 23, it says, he quotes the prophet Isaiah, says, Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, God with us. See, the awesome news about Christmas is that we have a God who wants to be with us. He wants, he longs to be with us. It's an amazing thing. You know, if you think about it, just reel back the story of the Bible and go all the way back to the Genesis, and you will see that this is our fundamental problem, that, that God has created us and wants to be with us. Think of the Garden of Eden where God and man dwelled together in peace, the fullest presence of who God was accessible to man. And man didn't have to bow down and, and shelter his face from God's presence, but man and, and God together in the garden and, and darkness crept into that story and man chose darkness over the light that God has to offer and all of human history is us living then in the darkness. So the Christmas story is a story about how God wants to be with us. Isn't that, that should just bring you joy and comfort this evening. Every single one of us. And I have no idea what's going on in your heart or the circumstances surrounding your life. But I guarantee you there is not a mess that is so filthy, that is so dirty, that God does not want to invade with his light. He wants to be with you, with me. He wants to be with us. It's amazing. It's an amazing picture. The story of Christianity is a story of a God who wants to be with us, who wants to be with you. I don't know what kind of traditions you guys have for Christmas, but one of my favorite ones, and this is probably, I would say it's pretty universal. I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong. But is just watching the movie Home Alone. Anybody, any big Home Alone fans here? Okay, big Home Alone fan. Great. I can remember when it first came out, a little boy sitting in the aisle. The movie theater was just packed when I went to see it, when it first showed. Man, just sitting in the aisle, couldn't even get a seat. I mean, this movie was popular, right? Still love watching it. We just watched it last night. Well, I should say... My family watched it. I fell asleep for most of it, but I was there. I was present in the room, okay? It's a great story, right? I think oftentimes, if you're familiar with the story, right, uh, the story starts off, and guess what? Boy, family, together in the home. They're not alone. They're together. He's not alone. They're together. Then some terrible events happen. Boy wakes up. Everybody's gone, and the rest of the story goes on. The ending scene is of the family coming back to the home, being with the boy, all of the family together. It's a great picture. And sort of the two plots that play out during the kind of the two narratives that happen, storylines, is that the, the boy navigates life on his own, right? At home, apart from his family, on his own, home alone, right? The other sort of plot that's happening at the same time is family is trying to get back home. And if you know the story and you're familiar with the story, the mom is doing everything within her power, to get back home once she discovers that they left the boy home alone. She does everything. I mean, she's working tirelessly. Every possible way that she can get home, she tries to do that. Folks, I think when oftentimes when we think of Christianity or maybe even religion, we think of it like that mom. That the only way we can come back into relationship and be together with God himself is if we work 
really, really hard. If we do everything that's in our, the power of our hands, if we are as creative as possible, if we spend as much money or whatever is at our disposal, we use it to get back to God. That is not Christianity. There are many other religions in this world that work that way. You do good, you be good, you do these things, and that's how you get back with God. That's not the story of the Bible. It's not the story of Jesus. When you think of the story of, of how man and God come back together again, a, a good picture, it's a famous painting. It's by Michelangelo, the creation of Adam. I think, wait, you got it up there? Okay, that's a terrible picture. I tried to find one that was like kid-friendly, okay? If you know what I'm talking about. So that's as kid-friendly as I could get. Deal with it, okay? It's a great picture. It's a picture of Michelangelo painted on the ceiling of the Sistine Chapel, right? And see, God over here, and, and there's Adam. What I like about this picture is that it, it, it pictures Adam sort of effortlessly lounging back, laying back with his hand rested on his knee, almost, almost effortlessly, just completely unconcerned with what's happening. Meanwhile, here's God who's straining every muscle, who's extending his hand as far as he can, who is able to reach down and touch man. Adam, zero work. God, all of the work. Folks, that is the good news of Christmas. It's the good news of the gospel. That in order for us to be with him, it is God who does all of the work, not us, not us. Our understanding of religion and Christianity is not us doing good, doing more, doing better. Our understanding of what it means to be with God is simply receiving. It's receiving with the empty hands of faith, the life and the light that God extends to us. The Bible tells us in Isaiah that God's arm is not shortened. So when you think of God invading humanity, the creator coming into his creation, there is no distance that he is unable to go to bring you and me home. And that's what Christmas is all about. The word became flesh, endured a tremendous amount of suffering, understands what it's like to sit in that seat and to walk in our shoes and to live life as a human being. Comes to us, dwells among us, folks, so that you and I don't have to be home alone, but we can be with him. It's the story of Christmas. Would you stand with me? We're going to close um, doing a candlelit version of Silent Night. And uh, I think the light's going to go off so you can get your candles ready. Um, the light's going to come out and we're going to kind of pass it along, however is the most efficient way possible. Before we do that, I'm going to go ahead and pray for us. Father God, we thank you that you are a God who longs to be with you your people. 
Father, we thank you that you're a God who loves us, who comes to us, who endures for us. Lord, we thank you that you are a God who wants us. Lord, we recognize this evening that there is not an option just to like Jesus. We either reject the light and choose the darkness, or we embrace the light. And Lord, I pray that you would give us, just even here tonight, Lord, I pray you would expose just in our hearts where we are with you, Father. And there may be some of us here even tonight who just need to come home. Lord, we thank you that you're a God who's come to us and who's done the heavy lifting. Lord, and that all we have to do is to receive and embrace that which you offer to us. Lord, we love you, and we ask these things in your holy and precious name. Amen.